Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. To bring in a, that type of uh, that caliber of a rusher, uh, especially you know where we're at in the season, I, th- I think uh, my favorite person in the world is Eric DaCosta. I told him that personally, and uh, the whole defensive staff gave him a standing ovation when he was able to come down and tell us that we got it done. That's Wink Martindale, defensive coordinator of the uh, Baltimore Ravens. That's how jacked up they were to get Yannick Ngakwe. Yep. I'm sure Joe Cullen was being heard shouting throughout the entire building. I don't know if the GMs in Jacksonville have ever gotten a standing ovation in the building. <laughs> Clayus? Well, I, but yeah, I guess you know what Clayus is going to bring to the table, right? No. I mean, when he left, it was, yeah. It, it is, the one that reminds me of something that Baltimore just was talking about there yep. is, I always go back to this, okay? Mm-hmm. And this is the beginning of... This is the start of the downfall, in my estimation. Now, that's also because I was here, but, I mean, the timeline adds up. When they drafted this Please guy. Be kind. Please be kind. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't even go there with it. When they drafted this guy. As a fifth-round pick. They, the defensive line coach jumped up in his office. Oh, I know who it is. And put his hand through the ceiling tile. That's how excited he was about the pick. I think I have a feeling. You know who it was? I think he's on the wall, if you look closely. Derek Harvey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's Derek Harvey. Uh, and, and again, they thought they were like, oh, man. you know. They, well, by the way. Well, they, they also gave a, a punch to get him. The defensive guys are always happy if you get a pass rusher. Oh. Right? If you get your guy, like a receiver's guy, was probably happy when they got Justin Blackman. Sure. You know? Mm-hmm. So I understand that. But that's how much they liked Harvey. Like, yeah. That's how wrong they were on Derek Harvey. Well, let me ask you this. You, you were here for that? Yeah. Draft. What was like the temperature of that draft? That's right. A- because like I mean I, I don't really know Harvey a lot out of college. But, like was were people hyped up? Like oh wow we got this dude because obviously he's a Florida Gator. Or was it kind of like mm, let's see? It's a good call. Um, I will say I don't remember I mean, it was so it long enough. ago. Yeah. I don't remember. I remember some. Mm-hmm. Okay. There were some like I think Bortles was like a smattering. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Justin Blackman at the town center. That was the scene when they oh, moved to the town center. It we was were, erupt. We were excited, man. We it, were pumped up. Yeah, yeah, I was excited. I watched yeah. him play in that. That was the one guy I watched play in a bowl game, and I was like, okay, go get him. Hey, yeah. The bowl game's like, whatever. I mean, there's three years of tape on these guys, and you're going to put everything in them. I oh, watched no, him play then, in that bowl game. I was like, gosh, I hope the Jets Trust me when I say the entire locker room was excited. The only other guy that I remember watching, and I was like, gosh, I, this guy's going to be good. Mm-hmm. And this was during a Florida-Georgia game was A.J. Green. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, my, if they could get him. And I yeah. remember watching him down on that field in, in, here in Jacksonville. I was we're like, this there. guy is good. Yeah. you know. And to be honest with you, I don't think we're wrong about Justin Blackman. We just didn't know everything that was about to come with it. Sure. But it just is so striking. So I don't know the temperature. What I remember about that draft most that year is they had gone to the playoffs previously. Mm-hmm. And Tom Brady lit him up in the postseason, went 26 for 28. That was the storyline. And they said we are – they basically thought they were one player away. And so if you do a timeline and go from we are thinking we're one player away from taking the next jump Mm -hmm. to being a championship team to what then transpired in this downhill spiral, here's the lesson learned. You are never one player away. 
Like you cannot, that cannot be your approach. Your approach is never you're one player away. And so I don't think like the Ravens might be excited about Jan. But Jan's not like the cherry on top that now gets them a Super Bowl championship. You can't think that way. He's another piece, mm-hmm. much like Marcel Darius was in 17, another piece. Mm-hmm. But you can't think that this one guy has put us – because that's a bad mentality. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned from that that draft. It's a great and, call. And, and from everything that's transpired since. Because that move, that first failure of Harvey and what they gave up for him and everything that transpired really since, but over like a five-year period especially, has set the table for this tornado that hasn't stopped spinning in the wrong direction. Look at Brett Martino putting his resume on LinkedIn for GM. I like it, man. Yeah. You, well, I, it's a great point. Though. I don't know the right answer. I'm just saying. Well, I know. No, I know you, that's been the downfall of it. No, I'm that saying started that, the downfall of it. I think you are right. When if you're a GM or you're a coach and you have the mentality, like, hey, all we need is this guy and we're good to go, right? Um, I think if you you base yourself on that, it's going to come back and bite you. I, I, I think I think we share that same opinion. Well, let's talk about the most important position that can change you. You can be this player away from changing your franchise. Mm-hmm. One player can change your fr- franchise, and it has to be a QB. And the Jags gave Gardner Minshew that chance this year, and it hasn't worked out so far. And the big news of the day is, and we've confirmed this after an Adam Schefter report that happened late this morning, that Gardner Minshew took x-rays. They found a couple of fractures in his thumb and also, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the word? Um, ligament damage. Ligament damage. damage. Yep. Thank you. Uh, ligament damage. <laughs> Thank yourself. <laughs> and so he's got a beat up right hand. Yeah. His throwing hand. Mm-hmm. And it's something that he initially hurt, according to Schefter, back against Houston. Mm-hmm. And that would have been on October 11th. And he's played with over the last few weeks. And let's be honest, he's played poorly for the most part. The Jags have two, but he has two. He's missing some wide-open throws. His accuracy has gone way down. He's got some eye-popping what-was-that kind of moments with the football. And you have to start to wonder, as we did at the top of this show, if you missed, we talk a half hour about it. Should he have played? Will he be able to play coming out of the bye? Does he even need a procedure? And who will be next up? Luton or Glennon. So those are kind of the questions that we've discussed and talked about. Uh, And to be honest with you, folks, we can't answer. It's all speculation. Uh, You know, we have I think it's going to be Glennon if he can't go. If there's a procedure, that means he's probably out some three to six weeks Mm -hmm. and he goes on IR. If there isn't a procedure, that means they think he can play through it. How significant is the break? I gotta believe this is hairline kind of stuff because if not, I just don't see how you could play through a pretty significant break over the last couple of weeks unless it got damaged worse against the Chargers. So there's just a lot of things we don't know other than the fact that he's beat up right now in his throwing hand, which obviously is going to impact uh, him as a quarterback. We believe that he knows this opportunity is huge. And I think we didn't talk about this enough, probably at the top of the show. But I think this actually puts an exclamation point on how much he might have been even pressing because he knows this is such a big moment. He's not a dummy. He knows that he's got 16 games. And when it starts going downhill a little bit in week three and week four and you're not winning games and the pressure builds. Right. And you add your own pressure and you're like, man, this is my time. I got to do more. I got to get I got to get us out of this thing. So what do you do? You press and now you're hurt. Oh, I can't come out. I got to play through this. I can't let anybody take my job. 
I just think that's what we've seen with our eyes. Forget the numbers. We've seen with our eyes a, a Gardner Minshew that knows this is such an important time in his career. It's such an important season. Doesn't want to let go. And he's actually pressing and playing through maybe a significant injury because of it. Yeah. And, and it begs the question, has he done himself a disservice and also his team a disservice? Now, once again, I'm not a doctor. We don't know the exact specifications of how bad the hand is. But one could assume that if it's like a hairline fracture, um, maybe if you would have reported right away, you would have sat out a little bit. Well, you could be back right now feeling full, you know, full health going in the bye week. I, I don't know the severity right now of the injury. But at the end of the day, listen, it, it goes to show you just how much it means to him, number one, and, and how much is on the line here. Right? Like, there's there's a lot of things on the line, brother. There's a lot of jobs on the line. Obviously, I think Doug Marone's job's on the line. Dave Caldwell's obviously on the line. I think Shad Khan's re- reputation, um, which has taken a hit, I feel like, in, in the city of Jacksonville, that's on the line. And finding out who your franchise quarterback, if he indeed is going to be the guy, that's on the line as well. So it's crazy for a team that, or I guess for a season, that didn't have a lot of expectations it's probably going to be one of the most important seasons of franchise history. You know well, what it is for specific people, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I, I, well, it is anyway. Yeah, uh, is every general. year is important. And, and, again, if they don't do well and they end up with a, a big-time quarterback and that's the result, well, then that did make it one of the most important seasons yeah. in franchise history. So I don't think you're wrong. And I don't know if it – we've said it, right? I, I've said it. My My – the thing I use to say how big of a year – this is for Gardner Minshew is I say if he's sitting on a lottery ticket mm-hmm. and it, it could be a hundred dollar ticket or it could be a hundred million dollar ticket. And mm-hmm. while that's not factual, that's my point. Of, that's how dramatic it is. He's either got a chance to be the guy for an NFL franchise or he might be a backup mm-hmm. and he might not get another chance. Now he might. But he might not get another chance down the road or at least for some time. And he's walking around. This is like you walking around on a windy day. And a windy month and a windy fall, and you don't get to cash that in and find out which one it is until January. Yeah. And he's walking around with that thing, and is it a hundred bucks or it is a hundred million? And he actually has some say in how big it is, but he's got to hang on through some of these turbulent times in in, in that windy day. And uh, right now, it's it's not going well. The winds are winning. Yeah, and, well, <laughs> I like that. And listen, it is unfortunate. And I'm not going to make up any excuses. Like, listen, injuries in the NFL, they happen. But I think the biggest takeaway, at least, that I had of this season is, guess what? There's no excuses for Gardner Minshew this year, right? That's, that's what I, I've said it many times because, well, you have the offensive coordinator who seems to know what he's doing. You have the offensive weapons around you. They, they drafted around you. You got a good running game. Offensive line is gelling better than did last year. Like, all the pieces were in place. This thing was in your hands. And unfortunately, one of those hands is broken, yeah. you know? Yeah. So once again, and I said it myself. I said it. I don't want to sit here week week 16, week or the last week of the season and say, well, is Gardner Minshew the guy? Because do we get a proper evaluation? Now, I'll make an argument and say a broken hand, that does not give you the proper evaluation. But at the end of the day, it's all about the wins and losses. And if Minshew can't you know, can improve on that, and I said it before, this is a cutthroat business. It's a cutthroat business and a performance-based business. And sometimes injuries, while they should be the main thing, they aren't. It comes down to wins and losses. And I just feel like, unfortunately, if the Jaguars continue this downward spiral of losing, Minshew is going to be on the outside looking in next year. Well, yeah, and what I probably should have done to add to my lottery ticket is say he has to hold it in the wind yeah, yeah. with his hand. That yeah. is broken right now. That's what exactly. he's got. You know? And so um, it, it's... 
There's a lot, though. That is a lot. I, I try to put it in those that context because can you really imagine uh, having something that big, right? And that's what he's faced with. It, it's internal pressure. It's external pressure. It's the opportunity of a lifetime for him. And unfortunately, unlike a lot of players, he's not going to get a bunch of rope because yeah. of his sixth-round pick, because of a, some of the other deficiencies. He's He's not. He's got a smaller window than a lot of other people. Let's uh, get to Steven. He's jumping in uh, probably on the Minshew front. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's up, man? Hey, not too much. How about you guys? We're good. Yeah, uh, well, you called it, Brent, about the Minshew situation. Um, Now, I want to get your opinion because I I agree with our – awesome syndicate leader there in the chair. I would prefer go Luton. I've actually said that before. But also you mentioned the draft. Now, I want to paint a scenario and get your opinion. Let's say they put Luton in ahead of Glennon, which I would do as well. Uh, Let's say they put him in, and he's actually really good. We know he can sling the ball. uh, and I've seen him. He's actually very accurate with the deep ball. Uh, let's say he's actually good, and he has all the intangibles being six foot six, got powerful arm. I've seen him run the ball as well. Now, let's say he's really good, and he has the potential to maybe be the guy. I know the scenario last year was the same with Minshew, but would you consider instead of using the early pick for a quarterback, maybe building around this? This kid, if he shows he's really good, that Jay Gruden thinks he's good. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate the call. I get your question. I, I understand what you're asking, and I would say absolutely not. Nope. Uh, it's, it's hard to justify if Trey, Trevor Lawrence is there, um, if Justin Fields is there, and you're going to say, you know what, let's go with the guy from Oregon State. Can't justify That's it. what this year was for. In fact, if you want to now look, okay, take a peek at what happened. And this is still very preliminary. But the Jaguars, could they have? If they didn't want to go with Minshew and they didn't and they already knew and they said, hey, you know what? Long term, this isn't it. Mm -hmm. Could they have packaged some of those picks and jumped up ahead of the Chargers to get Justin Herbert? Could they have? Right. Well, so you're going to ask the same situation and say, "Okay, we're going to take a flyer for another year on a guy. We're going to take another flyer, especially with the new coaching staff, possibly. Absolutely. No. So it's not going to happen. I understand the question. I appreciate the question, but it's not going to happen. I I think he could go lights up. Jake Lukton could come in here and he could go lights out. He could go. Well, I mean, if he went like six and three, but he could go lights out and you're not going to get those guys now. So that doesn't make sense. He could play very well. And you could lose all these games. It's not going to make a difference. Yeah. It's He could throw 15 touchdowns and three picks, and it's not going to make a difference. They would still at, draft one of those guys. Without a doubt. And at best, you, you draft the first rounder, you bring him in. Maybe there's a quarterback competition at best, but overall, you're drafting the first rounder. I'm going to be honest, though. Syndicate leader Austin Lane sounds fantastic. It, it, I'm telling you, I mean, how much do you pay S- that guy? S- maybe like a syndicate sensei. I think we started with a Brent. You had a great point, so I think that's he true. Yeah, yeah, the so guys who, on that so one. Who's really getting? Who's cut the checks? Good point. I mean, his last name I think is Boston. So. Syndicate sensei Austin. <laughs> sensei, very good. Syndicate sensei. I want to actually. We're gonna go with a couple things. We got to make shirts. We got to make shirts. Yeah, if they'll let us make shirts, we'll make shirts. Much make shirts. Better sounds. Off the grid. That's what we're yeah, yeah. Uh, the I want to ask you when we had uh, Michaela Mayer on. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Muay Thai. Muay Thai. 
I was going to ask you this, but I didn't know if I was knowledgeable enough. The Art of the Limbs, yeah, you well, should have. I understand, but there's a, little mix of, peanut sauce. there's a little mix of that <laughs> with MMA, right? Yeah, I'm just trying to get off Stewart's guy. Well, you yeah. haven't been around Stewart long enough. I just ignore Stewart. I know that that was. I mean, that, that was good. I, I, I guess I feel bad for laughing at it, but it was good. Um, yeah, it, it's found in MMA a lot because anytime you see somebody throw a knee or an elbow, which are two very powerful weapons, obviously that is Muay Thai. Okay. So, like, so kickboxing, obviously, it's 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 boxing mixed with like you know like the roundhouse kicks. Yeah, Muay Thai is like say like you badmouth Kyler Murray. I got upset. I put you in the clinch, and I, t- I take a knee to your eye socket. That's what the, the knees, uh, that's what the Muay Thai knees are. Hey, hope we're recording that because that sounds like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fact. I don't know. That, I mean, that sounds like a threat. My point being, that, though. That's a spoiler, by the way. Why right? did she go into boxing then instead of going to, like, MMA? Well, she said, though, right? Because, uh,. Because the gym was close by. Um, yeah, yeah, she but started then, that. Yeah, but then I, I know I hear you. Would that have been a more natural? Yeah, it was hurting her feet too, though. Yeah, true. Would that have been a more natural move? With MMA. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because to be fair, so if you ever take a Muay Thai stance, um, so there's a reason. There's, there's a couple. So you're about to do here. the thriller dance well, there for I mean, a second. So listen. So there's a school of thought that says Muay Thai. Their stances have no place in the UFC or MMA because the stance is straight up, right? Because you're using your striking. Well, if you have a Muay Thai stance, grappling can take that down all day, ah. right? Because you don't have a base to, to kind of counter grapple. There is no grappling in Muay Thai. There's no grappling in Muay Thai, obviously, yeah. So um, so it's more on your toes and stuff like that. This is how they stand. This is the Muay Thai stance. So, uh, yeah, she said I guess her feet were hurting, and I guess this was a transition. All but, right. You know what's also rare about her, too, we didn't mention? She got in the sport late. Yeah, she's 30. Yeah. 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 That's rare. I'm yeah. just saying. I, yeah, of, I, yeah. I noticed that too. And yeah. I, I looked there up, uh, her age. The, uh, one other thing. I do this a bunch. We're just going to do it real quick. Marone told us at the beginning of the year a few things. Yeah. And I think they are now over promising, under delivering on these. That things. was a lie. Yeah. He said the offensive line was going to be better than we thought. In the first few weeks, it was. Yeah. It's really regressing, in my opinion. Is that fair? Do you see it not playing well the last few weeks? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, but I also agree with if it's fourth and one, I trust that offensive line of James Robinson getting first down. Okay. I, I couldn't do that last okay. year. So I think it has gotten better than last year. Now, I can Doesn't... give you a fourth and one where they try to trick play, and I can give you a third and fourth <laughs> and one the other day hey, that they didn't get that, it. That's not the offensive line's fault, though. That was a little more play call. Yeah, and now the one with Minshew is what it is. He but, promised yeah. they'd be resilient. Mm. I thought we finally saw that, but we went a month, man, without seeing a resilient football team. We finally saw it in the second quarter the other day. Yeah, yeah. And, and then... The other one is they said they'd stop the run, <laughs> and they went through a three-week stretch where they couldn't stop the run. Yeah. So I feel like, and this happens when you lose six in a row, and he said other things too, but it was like he was excited about those kind of things, and when you're excited about that part of your football team, even though you're probably not the most talented football team, and that stuff starts going sideways, yep. but you get six losses in a row. Yeah. Hey, uh, Devon Hamilton had his best game as a pro. Third round pick for the Jags. We take you to the wall that says it all. Coming up next on ESPN 690. Power positivity coming at you, everybody. Let's go. Brent Martineau. How many push-ups did you do in three minutes? Did you try the challenge? Austin Lane. I don't don't need lactic acid buildup when I'm in fight camp. Brent, you kidding me? Take my word for it. More than you. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. There's another sack. Devon Hamilton, his second sack of the day. Eat, big fella. My goodness, check out the explosiveness that he's able to provide 
just beats the guard, gets to the quarterback, no quit in that. That's that bull rush right there. He gets by him, and the power that he's got is palpable. 6'4", 2'10", the senior playing his best football of his life. Palpable is a good word. Not bad. I think it's Dilla's birthday today. Is it? That's what I saw on Twitter. I don't know if they were making it up or not. Could be a... <laughs> Could be a liar, shit, or what? Never know with Twitter. Oh, I thought you said you never know with Dilla. Never know with Dilla. There you go. The, the underground king. So I'm saying happy birthday to him anyway. Oh, that's nice of you. I thought you were into doing that stuff. Uh, what? What? Saying happy birthday to people? Yeah, well, yeah, like the whole social media happy birthday stuff. Or is um, it just, it's just not for yourself? It's the Facebook one. Oh, the Facebook one. Well, what's okay? Well, the Facebook one. Is there a difference, though? Well, because they almost like, the reason why I say it that way is because they make you do it. Ah. It's almost like you wake up every morning, you check (laughs) Facebook, and you're you're like, hey. Yeah. It's like, don't forget, don't forget to wish Weber happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. If not, you're a jerk. Yeah. Is this one of those, uh, that Netflix show? Is that one of those things? Social Dilemma? Yeah. Ah, That's really not tied into that. Okay. Although it might be. Because now, like, I've I've turned a little bit. Now I like the attention on my birthday. Yeah. Oh, I used really? to hate it. Okay. Like, I almost changed my birthday because you'd get birthday all these things. Birthday month now right? for Brent Martin. Oh, yeah. It's, so now, it's birthday now month. Now I kind of like it. Okay. And I like the attention. I got you. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm good. I don't need it, so. All right, let's go to the wall that says it all. We don't have we, these break structure now. We don't get uh, as much time. It's not a big deal. Um, so let's do it. All right, everybody. Come on with us as we go to the land of sunshine and rainbows and the power of positivity. As we break down a positive play today uh, on the wall that says it all, we're going to be featuring Devon Hamilton. Devon Hamilton, obviously a guy who um, drafted in the third round, uh, you know, kind of a, I don't want to say an unsung guy, but right, I mean, he was using the depth. I mean, you had Gunter here, you had Al Woods here, well, obviously those guys uh, go down and then, you know, you trade away Clayus Campbell and Taven Bryan is doing what Taven Bryan's doing. So Hamilton's kind of come into his own a little bit, and there's been a lot of good. There's been a little bad. But I think overall he's a guy that he demands that you keep on watching him, right? Because right now, from what I see from Devon Hamilton, intrigue. I'm intrigued. Why? I want more. Because, Brent, my question to you, what was the one thing that I used to always praise about, probably even more than Kyler Murray, what did I praise about with Marcel Darius? First step. First step. My man. My man can't teach it. You either have it or you don't. You you can teach hand placement. You can teach the proper steps. But do you have that first step get off? And right now, what I see from Devon Hamilton, especially what we're going to be highlighting here in this Chargers game, Devon Hamilton has the first step. All right. So that's important. He has the Marcel Darius first step. Maybe he he went to the Marcel Darius Academy of first steps. So are you comping that? Then comp it. Just said he he has the shades of a Marcel Darius first step. I like that. Right. I mean, by the way, he's like Marcel Darius size too, right? Yes. Uh, he's not. He's taller actually. I think. Yep. I mean, Marcel isn't that tall. Mm. Uh, Marcel's uh, maybe, maybe Marcel Darius probably like six two, six one. I was gonna say six two. Okay. Uh, well, Devon Hamilton's a six four, three ten guy. Taller. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So let's get into it. Uh, Stuart, we have to. You know, I just have to ask you. Does to make sure. matter on the defensive uh, interior? Ask Clarence Campbell. Well, it helps. I'm saying, does it matter? But ask Aaron Donald. No. I mean, Aaron Donald is what, 5'11"? Good point. Clarence Campbell is what, 6'8"? They're both pretty good. Yeah, true. All right, cool, cool. All right, so first slide. We got, 
listen, start of the, the the third quarter, right? Jaguars down by two. You need to stop here, right? The the Jaguars they 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 opted to to you know receive. Actually, they lost the coin. Wait, did they win the coin toss? They uh, lost the coin toss. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then they got the ball. So I got the ball. And we know how that turned out. Uh, it's part of the coin toss. Anyways, so they come out on defense second half. They need a big stop here, right? You gotta set the tempo. Um, Scripted plays, possibly, we could see here. But essentially what we got here is, you know, it's, it's bunch formation, Brent. Like, we, we always talk about the bunch formation. Chargers are doing that right now. So what we call this is a two-by-two. Two. So you got two receivers on the left side, two receivers on the right side, one of those receivers on the right side being uh, Hunter Henry, a tight end, right? So they set the strong side to the right side, and the, the weak side is to the left side. So we got Devon Hamilton right now playing a nose technique. Now, I've watched Devon Hamilton play in college. Um, he's kind of done it all. He's kind of a jack-of-all trades. He's played in a 3-4. He's played a 3 technique. He's played a nose technique. I like a guy that's versatile. Right now, we're breaking Devon Hamilton down, playing the nose technique, playing that one shade, if you will, on the center. So we can see it on the screen here. Stuart, let's go to slide number two, if you'd be so kind. That was quick. We're yeah. going to slide two. Yeah, I mean, what do you want me to break down? I'm it's, here. It's, it's, it's just, uh, I always like to remind the uh, listeners do. and viewers at this time that this is the wall that says it all. We do it weekly uh, with the Jaguars. Break down a play, a moment, a player. And uh, you can watch it on the video feeds, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And you can see the illustrations. Uh, but you also can follow along with your ears if you're listening on ESPN in your car, yeah. ESPN690.com, or any of the audio apps. So now, listen, guys, we can't play video for copyright purposes. I don't want to get fined. Brent doesn't get fined either. So it's hard to showcase just how good his first step is on this play. But I can do it anyways, right? So as we see in this slide, Brent, Brent, what is noticeable to you right now? And obviously, we have an inside run happening. Um, it's actually more of a stretch play, right? Because we see the Chargers here, they're getting more horizontal than they are vertical. This is a basic run-of-the-mill NFL kind of run play. This is where the NFL is going right now, stretch plays, where you don't really have a design gap. You just go run towards that space. Whatever opens up, you adapt off that, and then you run. But what are you seeing right now from Devon Hamilton? I tell you what, Devon Hamilton, I don't know what the step looked like. Yeah. But within a, a couple of frames of video, he's already pushed the center back. Or maybe that's the left guard. Might be a left tackle even. That's the center. Center. I got He's you. already pushed back. Mm-hmm. He's on almost his heels. Mm-hmm. His arms extended. He's now crossed the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So he's gained a lot of ground in a short time. Yeah. Now, keep in mind... Uh, Pouncey, the original center, has been out for the year. He's, he's put on IR. So this is, they have a backup center in Dan Feeney. Nevertheless, though, listen. Hey, Feeney was a big draft pick. Yeah, but one. let's be honest. This is a, is a rookie, by the way, and Devon Hamilton getting some extended reps. So I'm still going to give him his prop. I'm not taking anything away from it. So you see here, you see the arm extension. Oh, I love right? it. And this is what I'm talking about right here. Brent you're, Brent, you're a rear big guy. You you bench press all the time, I'm sure, right? I mean, you got to fill in that shirt somehow. Yeah. So let me ask I'm you this question. I'm not a big guy, and I don't bench press a lot, but okay. I appreciate the question. Well, well, let's see how much you actually do lift weights then. So, Brent, if you're going to bench press somebody, or if you're going to bench press some weight, let's say, I'm sure you're putting a five on each side and having fun with it, whatever the case may be. Where are you stronger, or where do you feel it's lighter? When you go down to your chest and you push it up, or when you have it extended to the top? Where do you feel stronger? Oh, it's at the top. At the top, hands down, Absolutely. right? So right now we have the case I of... I sit there for 10 yeah. seconds to wait to go down to my chest. <laughs> really, really <laughs> max it out and rip those tendons up a little bit. So with that being said, though, we have Devon Hamilton here with the arm extension. This is how I can showcase that he had a good get-off. Because if you look at where the, the center is right now, on the line of offensive linemen, he's way in the back. Yes. It's almost like the running back right now is going to collide with him because he's getting so 
you know, he's getting pushed so far back. I think the line of scrimmage was like on the 44. Correct. And so the center's now on the 47 and a half yard line. In a split second, by the yeah. way. Mind you. Exactly. And what we have here, I love to see it. We have arm extension. So this does a couple of things. If you're watching at home, you can see this clearly. Devon Hamilton right now has his right arm extended to, you know, like you're bench pressing to the top. So this is where Devon Hamilton is strongest right now. The center is basically at his mercy. The center can do nothing right now because of the arm extension. Here's why it's a great play by Devon Hamilton, and more of a veteran play, an experienced play by Devon Hamilton. He's got his other arm free. So he has one arm extended, other arm free. This is a couple He's things. He's going to club him. This is a couple things. Now, keep in mind, some coaches would say... My coach back in the day would say he's breaking a cardinal rule right now and looking in the backfield. Mm. You never look in the backfield because your eyes don't always take you to where you want to go. And if you're peeking in the backfield, that takes away from your technique. You get put on your back. Doesn't matter for Devon Hamilton. You know why? Because his arm is extended and he has a feel for this play right now. He knows exactly where this play is going to go. So being an athlete that he is, and let's get to slide number three here in a second, being an athlete that he is, he extends his arm, he looks in the backfield, and now, boom, slide number three. That's a good rush, by the way, by the Jags in general. Yeah. But good push. Yep. So I think we got slide number three up now. I don't know there's always a little delay, so I got to you yeah. know, adjust. It'll be happening. So now, as we can see here, Devon Hamilton has shed his guy with one arm and actually goes across, so we call this cross-facing, goes across the guard's face, sheds him, and makes the tackle. So essentially what we have here in Devon Hamilton is a guy who explodes off the ball, extends his arm, looks in the backfield, does more than is asked of him, and goes in another gap, pushes the play back inside, and he makes the tackle. This is a classic example, and Clayus Campbell used to always say this, Brent, you told me before. This is a classic example of not being a robot. He's being an athlete. He understands that his guy is dominated. He understands where the ball is going to go. He cross-faces the center. He says, this is going to go to the gap, and then the, the, the running back goes back to the, another gap, and obviously the Jaguars swarm, and you're good to go. This is a classic example right now of what the Jaguars need to do more of. When you have your guy beat, that means you can be an athlete. That means you can kind of let who you are show a little more, and you don't have to play in the confines of the system. The problem that we've been seeing a lot, though, Brent, is the fact that when these guys take it upon themselves to be, quote-unquote, athletes, and you know, kind of play outside the system a little bit, they're not in proper spots to do so. Devon Hamilton was in a key spot. He did a great job of exploding off the ball, getting the center in the backfield. And at that point, you can do whatever you want. You can't do no wrong. That's exactly what happened here on this play. And it's like a, I think it's a two-yard tackle for loss. Devon Hamilton, and I think Quincy Williams, somebody else comes to clean it up as well. All right. Uh, beautiful play by Devon Hamilton, who wears number 52, which also is is fascinating to me yes. along <laughs> that defensive front. For sure. Uh, you mentioned he lined up at the nose yeah. technique, right? Yeah. And... Marcel Darius, who we try to com- – well, not comparing him to, but we, we talk about a little bit. Yeah. Darius could play that technique and the three technique. Yes, sir. Do you think Devon Hamilton has that kind of flexibility, or will he make a living at the nose? So what I just broke down and what made Marcel Darius so great and why the Jaguars struggled so much when Marcel Darius got hurt with that core injury and all of a sudden Christian McCaffrey's running for 500 yards, it seems like, and it's just back-to-back-to-back 200-yard rushing days for uh, opposing offenses. It's because of the first step. If you, uh, and I, I can't reiterate this enough. You cannot teach the first step. If you have it, you can play the one technique, 
You can play the three technique. And, heck, if you're really in a pinch, put him out there as a defensive end. Now, obviously, his body size, his wingspan, it's not conducive to a, to a defensive end technique. But I'll tell you who it reminds me of. Tyson Alualu. All right? Now, say what you want about Tyson Alualu. I get sometimes he gets a lot of hate because where he was drafted. But that guy, in terms of his footwork and his first step, there was times where Tyson Alualu played outside. Obviously, he was more of a three technique, but he also played defensive end. What is Tyson Alualu playing now? Nose technique. Why? Because that first step has never left him, right? If you have the first step, that is the ground base. That is the foundation that you can build a house on. And right now, like Tyson Alualu, he's built the skyscraper. He's made a lot of money for himself. He's doing a great job. I'm not ready to call Devon Hamilton Marcel Darius yet. But what I've seen from this play and other plays in this game is the fact that he has a decent foundation. If he keeps improving on it, who knows what the limit's going to be for him. Ramon on YouTube wants to know, Austin, if you think the Jags will still need to draft two defensive tackles in this upcoming draft. It's a good call. It's a good call. Um, listen, you can never have too yeah, Excuse me, you can never have enough too many uh, defensive tackles here. Taven Bryan, we'll see what that situation happens with him. I think he's got another year left, or is he done? Yeah, he has another year. Got another year left. We know what Taven Bryan's bringing the table right now. Dwayne Smoot, where's he sitting? I think this is, again, a contract year for Smoot. I, I thought it was last year, too, and I think he just signed a minimal deal. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But I tell you, I think he's – I still feel like I see him flash a lot. Sure. Uh, so I, I kind of like the one Smoot. You know, but and so you got a couple of guys. You right? had a couple of guys, and to answer the question, it really all depends on the scheme coming in, right? Where if, if this coaching staff is indeed going to be gone at the end of the season and a new coaching staff comes in, obviously there's going to be a proper evaluation and maybe they to throw some different kind of defenses out there. Like, I want a 3-4 defense, so we'll see where it goes from there. But you can never have too many defensive tackles. So, yeah, I think they address it, maybe one or two. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, a couple other thoughts, uh, kind of wide-ranging in sports. The big story this week was kind of Tampa and analytics. Yeah. I wanted to just uh, ask a question about analytics with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And also, the Jaguars are not the only troubled organization, if you will, when it comes to winning. Yeah. Who's in more trouble long-term than the Jags? Or are the Jags kind of king of that hill because they haven't really won much anyway? But we are seeing an NFL where teams are able to flip-flop. I've mentioned it. The Bills, the Raiders, the Titans, the Rams. They've kind of done that. They've lost a lot this century, to be honest with you. And now they're flipping it around a little bit. And it looks like they're going to stay pretty competitive, not just a one-year run. Can the Jags do that? What other teams could do that? Uh, in the NFL. That's how we'll wrap up a Thursday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 Live Local Loud coming up next. Don't forget to vote for Honda the Avenue's Athlete of the Week on ESPN690.com. It's like a saying my mom used to say, uh, it must be maple syrup because uh, butter don't drizzle like that. <laughs> Okay, so explain. Oh, I gotta, I gotta find this thing. Okay, one second. That's Gronkowski, right? Yeah. And we we heard it yesterday. We're like, what does that mean? Yeah, I took it upon myself. I had to finally figure out like what he was talking about. And one second. You had it, and then you were just looking up a bowler dude. Well, we yeah, have that. Let's it, get right, um, okay. South Beach Gary on real quick. I had a thought on some of the teams that have rebounded to do well, and maybe his Miami Dolphins might be in there. What's up, man? Well, obviously, i got to go with the Dolphins with the two generations starting on Sunday. My question for you guys quickly is three or four touchdown passes for two on Sunday. Fourteen. <laughs> I'm going to go with a modest one. One, come on. 
I got. Don't get that the first drive. No, they, they have Gaskin. <laughs> hey, don't don't sleep on Gaskin now. Are you kidding me? Like they're gonna run the ball too as well. That's how you beat the Rams. I want him to let it to scoreboard, baby. I want the new Marine Air to begin. We're showing that weekend, game, guys. We're showing that game on Fox 30 just for you, South Beach, Gary. Uh, you can <laughs> see that one. By the way, it will be Steelers Ravens. I've been getting a ton of questions on that, which shows you how many Steelers fans there are around here. It's a lot of them. And uh, we will be showing that game on CBS 47. What you got? What's it, what's it mean? So, Stuart, you want to play the quote one more time? Can you, I'm putting you on the spot. I know, but let's see if you can adapt. It's like a oh, say my mom used to out. say. Uh, it must be maple syrup because uh, butter don't drizzle like that. I'll tell you right now, snow's not coming out, Brent. We're, we're, in the, we're, in the, we're in game six. That guy's not coming out. Anyways, so check this out. Apparently, the story goes like this. That quote originated from this original quote from Rob Gronkowski. And I quote, it's like saying my mom, it's like a, it's like a saying my mom used to say. It must be maple syrup because butter don't drizzle like that. You don't got much time to react and syrup drizzles. You got to make that play. A stick of butter. It's a block. You got to put it in the microwave to melt it. That just takes too long. You got to make the play the right way, baby. That's that's why I'm like the maple syrup. That's why she always used to say that, because I'm quick with it. I just drizzle all over the place. Hmm. Can definitely picture him saying that. Yes. In that in the voice, you could kind of yeah. hear it leaking. You out almost of have the, to script. have yeah. him just say that. I know. It doesn't yeah. All right. I, I had a question, okay? All this talk about Snell and, and analytics in Tampa this week. Yeah. And baseball is filled with analytics, mm-hmm. right? And there was this wave that the NFL was going to be filled with analytics. And mm-hmm. I think there are some shifts to it. I thought the Jaguars might be near the front lines of that with Tony Khan if you go back some five years ago. Honestly, I feel like I know a good amount about the Jags. Yeah. I don't know how much they use them. Hmm. I, I, I don't. I think we assume because Tony Khan is is in that kind of business and has his own business, I think, with it, and that he was in the building and he's been a part of the organization in some different kind of roles, it feels like, at times over these handful of years, yeah. that they use a ton of them. Yet, I, I don't get the sense that they really do. What I mean, what well, do you think? Do just, they? just go ahead and thank me right now because I actually have a list of teams that use the most analytics. Okay, you want to care to take a guess where they are, uh, where they're at, or uh, where the J? Yeah, I mean, take, who do you think is number one? I think I've talked about number one I before. I feel like I think we've seen this before. Yeah, I talked about it. I th- are, the Titans don't use any. They don't even have an analytical guy. I'll tell you right now, the Titans are not in the top eighteen. I think the Jaguars are around like thir- twelve or thirteen or something. Very on this nice, For fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. Yep. They have so like it's broken down by like I guess specialists. Like um, this criteria is which teams are among the top five most analytically advanced in terms of how many I guess guys they have working for them in terms of analytics. This team right here. Uh, so, for instance, the Jaguars they have three specialists. Okay, I guess that are specialized yeah. in analytics and get the information. Employees. To the, to the players. That, yeah. yeah. This team in first place has twenty three. It's not Baltimore, is it? It is. It is Baltimore. Which is kind of, isn't that kind of crazy with okay. Harbaugh? So that's that's a great illustration. Where's like Kansas City on there? Like, read me the top five, actually. Uh, Baltimore. Good. Cleveland. Well, good this year. But Eagles. They've won the Super Bowl in the last three years. Bills. They're getting better. 49ers. They've been good. Vikings. Eh. <laughs> Seahawks. They've been good. And then now we're in eighth territory, so like Colts, Rams, Patriots. Patriots. This was my thought a little bit. The Jags have tried a lot of things. 
that haven't worked well. Mm-hmm. And one of my thoughts the last couple of weeks, and I brought this up on the show, is I don't know if you always understand who is actually running the show, right? Yeah. Outside of Tom Coughlin's brief tenure, where you knew he was, especially in 17 and 18, I don't know if you can pinpoint who's making decisions, how much Tony Khan's involved, and other things. Why don't the Jags wrap their arms around their analytics department and and use more like the Tampa approach to be like, I'm all in on this stuff. So this is interesting, though. So guess who the top five and like least analytically advanced teams are in the NFL right now? Redskins, number one. Okay, well, they're bad. Titans, number two. Bengals, number three. Giants, number four. Pittsburgh Steelers, number five. And you know where the Chiefs are at? Right after them at six. Okay, so it's not uh, – and this is good because – Saints it, are – and by the way, the Saints, they're tied for six as well. Here, here's – when we've done, gone over this, how do the Jags get better, right? One of the things I believe the Jags need to do to get better as a franchise and, and how to turn this and flip it is to take a chance mm-hmm. and to be ahead of the curve instead of trying to catch up with the curve. And they've been trying to catch up forever. And they haven't been able to get ahead. I feel like even sometimes when they focused on defense, the, the, the league was going offense. Mm-hmm. You know, they tried to make this great defense in an era where everybody's scoring more points, which yeah. is harder to play defense and win with defense. Mm-hmm. That's just a small sample. I seriously looked at Tampa this week, and I'm like, wait a minute. This is a team that has no money. And Jags aren't in this category where they can't afford players and all that stuff. But it's like they have reinvented themselves. Now, Houston did it first. Mm -hmm. You know, Oakland has done it with Moneyball. But Houston took it to a new level, so much so that the St. Louis Cardinals try to steal their computers. (laughs) And Tampa now is all in and seems to be ahead of even Houston and everybody else. Mm -hmm. And listen, there's a living and dying by that too much. I get it. But I just didn't – it made me think of the Jags. They've had so much futility. They have somebody who owns an analytic business in their organization. And I don't even know if they use them. Like, I can't feel it. I don't know if we should be able to feel that. But I don't feel that they use them. I feel like Tony was kind of well pushed out doing other things, whether it's soccer or wrestling now. But- and Tom Coughlin was saying, hey, we're going old school. But don't you kind of feel it when they go for two points? Don't you kind of feel it when they go for it on fourth down? That's a league-wide thing, I believe. I feel like that's a league-wide thing. Okay. More so than it is this, bam, commitment yeah. to uh, to analytics. I'll try to get a little more information on it, but I just found that interesting this week with the World Series and, and Tampa. Yeah. All right, got to go. Uh, live local out coming up next, and I'll be on TV at 7 o'clock with Jaguars All Access on Fox 30. Back at it tomorrow on ESPN 690.